is to kind of go through these terms because people hear them left, right, center, communist, socialist. But for some people, I don't think they really understand what they mean. And I thought it might be a good idea just to hopefully do more shows and then we can kind of go kind of peel the layer of the onion, so to speak. Right. As, yeah. Then we can have a deeper conversation about these things once everyone's on the same page. What what we mean when we say left, right, socialist. Can I ask you a question? Yeah. Have you considered that you're doing plain language? What do you mean? Do you, What's do up? you know what that term means? Kinda, I think so. R really quickly. So mm -hmm. since we talked last, I also rebranded my business page. Like, right. I don't know if you even follow me there. Yeah, um, yeah, the, yeah. The copywriting one, right? So I used to just be Larson Copy Co, like my maiden mm -hmm. name. And I was like, well, I got married, changed my name. So I'm going to change my business too. And right. I specifically rebranded as the inclusive copywriter. Right. Okay. So right. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. That's, you know, partially for branding. I also have a background in sales, copywriting, mm -hmm. marketing, et cetera. But the thing that I'm actually working on making myself an expert in, which I am an expert in, but I'm not an mm -hmm. expert academically, according to the academics, oh, which course. is a whole other thing I could yeah, talk about. Yeah, it's another rabbit hole. <laughs> um, but it's this idea of the the real definition of plain language mm -hmm. is speaking in a way that your audience can understand. Of course, and yeah, I agree. Take action from. And so one thing that I came up to like hit up against when I was talking to some academics about plain language is that they don't identify that people who are working like on the front line, like trying yeah. to educate the public, are mm -hmm. often more expert in plain language because we've actually had to sit down and do that. Take right. these complicated terms and like explain them to someone who yes. doesn't speak English as a first language. Oh, yeah, or exactly. Has no background in political sciences or right. philosophy or whatever mm -hmm. it is, religion and science, like tech. Like there's so many industries, economics, finance, where For we sure. use all this really complicated jargon. And so what I basically like sell myself as now um, is as a plain language expert, okay, which is relevant cool. both in education, yes. like government communications, mm -hmm. government communications and in like marketing and sales. And it's not just about English either. Like I yes. won't go off on a tangent on it, but I have friends who do um, like Farsi translations and things like that. And mm -hmm. sometimes they'll tell me what the government has put out in Farsi. Yeah. If you directly translate it, it's full of like offensive language. Oh no. So oh, it's God. like like Lost like homophobic language. <laughs> and this whole idea of like plain language is something that I'm really like it's a special interest of mine, autistic. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. This is another thing with politics, right? Like one of my things, like where I feel, and I think a lot of people feel this way, and maybe you can kind of direct this, right? I feel that the average person is very turned off by politics. And and, and this is one of was one of my first like bad tastes with politics. When I was in grade 12, I went to Kitsilano High School and we had a visitor, a uh, special guest, uh, Kim Campbell of the okay. Conservative Party. And, and we're, you know, we were actually kind of excited to see her. And we actually thought we would get some value out of this conversation. She stood up. And it was just like, blah, 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 blah. And then she'll question it. Like, I honestly don't remember a thing that she said. It was just like, back in the British North American act of this and that. And, blah, you know, just, just was just like that. And then kids, you know, or graduating class were asking questions to her. Very direct questions. And she just kind of looked through them. 
and then blah 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 and back and then okay next question and and it's just like thanks for the the gobbledygook right they're arguably the worst for it but they all do it they all do it do it and i noticed like uh the deputy she's terrible at it too they asked her we're working with our partners no one asked about if you're working with your partners my thing about uh political language the the george orwell quote the one about political language is designed to make lies sound truthful oh, and totally. respectful but the totally. actual best part of the quote is the mm. end bit where he says and to give the appearance of solidity to pure wind Right. Like they're just blowing hot air. Oh, yeah. And but that's the difference between, you know, again, when being on both sides of the border. Right. And I've watched a lot of American politics. Because I was very fascinated by it, you know, because it's it's more of a spectacle. Yeah. Right. But the difference with the American politicians, generally speaking, and the Canadians ones, the Americans politicians will take off the tie, roll up the sleeve. They will do a town hall and they'll speak very plainly. They will. They'll speak very plainly because they want to they want to be relatable. They want. Right. And and, and maybe sometimes they they simplify it even more so like, you know, the famous George Bush. Read my lips. No new taxes. Very simple. Where Canadian politicians is more like this word salad of gobbledygook. Yes. But thing about Harper, how he used to do his speeches, and he would just like drone on, drone on, drone oh, on, yeah. soundbite, drone on, drone on, drone on, like intentional about that. But then he'll he'll drop a soundbite that is the one thing he wants reporters to write. Uh, so it's like intentional garbage. Yeah. A little gem, and then more garbage. In my lifetime, I'm saying I'm speaking straight up my lifetime this is possibly the most dramatic time politically you know the whole you, can, you know all the political scandals are you can't there's too many to even count right morning when i was having my coffee i almost broke my tablet <laughs> we got we're gonna have the choo-choo train back the oh, choo-choo train the choo-choo <laughs> train know, oh, did you wow. know that i was interviewed during the municipal election to yeah. talk about ken sim yeah. And I think the best thing that I said, because they asked me like, oh, what do you think about Ken Sim getting elected, mm -hmm. blah, blah, blah. Because I was there at um, City News on election yeah. night, said, I don't think he knows what he's getting himself into. He has no clue what he's doing. And like, I'm a business owner, like I'm an entrepreneur. Right. It is not the same as politics or government. No. And I think the one thing actually that like my little tidbit that I think we should talk about today Mm -hmm. The difference between government and politicians and governance. They they want to be celebrities. They want to be fucking Batman. They don't yeah. want to get down and like actually do the work. It's just want to be celebrity mouthpieces. They're yeah, not. I agree. Really, to me, it's like, are you doing the work? Are you actually engaging with people? Are you working with your team? Are you in the yeah. office, like showing up to media events? Shotgunning beers. On yachts. Yeah, yeah the city's I, I, in bad shape, and this is like, you know what, I, I like a good time just like anyone else, but yeah. when you have the poverty, you have the street life, you have random attacks, you got business owners getting their windows so kicked down. in. Thinks he can like, like, I don't know who his, who he thinks his demographic is, who elected him, right? Like there were certain, let's say, stakeholder groups that they targeted, communities that they really targeted. And that's, you know, certain like ethnic communities and business communities. Mm -hmm. But their messaging now seems very kind of like, like libertarian dude, bro. 
bizarre. Like, but, uh, and I think that's what it is for people. Like back to that, I think people they'll hear these terms. Like from my background too, they'll hear something and they attach what they think it is, and that's where a lot like of these arguments like prepackaged meaning. You have these preconceived notions that right. you know you've picked up, and one thing I really think about is like trying to look at the world through new eyes, like trying to right. think about things in a way as though I didn't know anything about it. Yes, you know. Yeah, and, and that's, but part of that is like an aspect of the practice of plain language. Trying to think if somebody didn't know anything that I know, would they right. still understand what I'm saying? And that's kind of like my thing now is, and I, honestly, I always did this even when I worked in government. And one mm -hmm. of my biggest criticisms of government when I worked there, I told them, was that they themselves legislate that we use right. plain language, but they're not doing it. Like, look, look at any post from the, the BC NDP or from David Eby or from Jagmeet mm -hmm. Singh. I know who developed their communication style. They call it mm -hmm. um, connect, contrast. Um, what is it? Connect, contrast. And then they have another thing. But, but basically, they have this method they use, right? Right. Where they say, oh, Canadians are struggling with housing. Right. Uh, Justin Trudeau is horrible. Right. The NDP is the only solution. And I'm like, this is such tired, outdated sales practice. Yes. Oh, totally. Right? And because I, you know, I have a sales background, I have an ear for anything salesy. You see it. And then for me, it's like, because now I try to do sales without doing sales, if that makes sense. Um, right? I call that joy-based selling. Okay. I have a term for that too. Oh, that's so awesome. My whole thing in that though is that mm -hmm. you have to be honest. Yes. In order to sell without being salesy. Yes. And in order to be honest, you can't use political language. You can't use misleading language. Yes. You can't lie to or shame your audience. Yes. And that's really the problem. Like to me, what the NDP are doing or trying to do is they're trying to use that outdated sales method of the emotional roller coaster. Yeah. You have this horrible problem. Look how yes. bad it is. We are the only solution. We can right. fix it for you. But that is, to me, the worst way not only to sell, but to retain someone. Yes, because you get it's, buyer's remorse from that, right? Exactly. How many people, especially like you're saying, in these kind of volatile times, mm -hmm. more and more people are losing their party loyalty? Yes. Like I have. Like, are you affiliated with any party like I don't I'm confused this is for me I'm the most we have these like pre-packaged preconceived notions about these things and we just like repeat things we've heard rather than think critically about what we're thinking and saying yeah like but let's just like actually just go into like the the most simplest thing because we hear this so much oh he's left he's right the first one is what's the difference simply between left and right I don't like to think of it as like a binary. Mm -hmm. Instead, I almost like to think of it like a spectrum or right. even like a circle. Because if you've ever looked into or you're aware of politics, you've probably heard if you go far enough on the political spectrum, you fall out the other end. Right. I've heard it's that. It's why I started thinking of myself as maybe a radical, but yeah. not an extremist. I think we need to make space for conversation and room mm -hmm. for us to come together and think more about how we're similar than how yes. we're different. And yes. I honestly think that even just the labels left and right are starting to become incredibly problematic.
Yeah, me too. Because I often engage with people as someone who has always identified with being on the left. Right. I engage with centrists. I engage with people who think of themselves on the right. Mm -hmm. But to people on the left, to us, means Mm -hmm. you don't care about people. Right? Like, that's exception. And I think that there's a lot of people who would identify with being right wing who do still care about the country, Mm -hmm. their neighbors. And I think that that's where we need to start breaking down these ideas because when we when we other people, that's how we end up in conflict. So I agree with that. Like I'll give you an example. Like when I, again, going from Canada in the United States, right? So I, I see myself probably like maybe certain issues are more this way and this certain issue, like I'm all over the map, right? I believe at the end of the day that people should have personal freedom to govern themselves, abortion, health care, those type of things. Those are personal decisions that are none of my business. That's why I look at it. Right. But when it comes to taxation, I think Canada has a very vicious taxation policy, which which I feel that could be scaled back a bit. Right. When I went back and forth to the states, <clears throat> the thing that I would see it, that was very different than Canada back in the day was you would see extremely rich people and you'd see extremely poor people. I yeah. saw like back like even 10 years ago, I'd see like poor families all living out of a van in a Walmart parking lot. I think, oh my God, that would never happen in Canada. So I, I appreciated that we had this social safety net mm-hmm. that was more robust than they did in the States. Cause man, you fall in the cracks in the States, you fall yeah. deep, right? And yeah. no one gives well, it's, a, it's you know. really right? more like a, like a cavernous pit than a crack, Yes, right? yes. But I think the problem is that in Canada, that crack has been widening. Yes, and it even has. when we have progressive governments like in mm. BC, they have mm. made some improvements, but mm. that crack has still been widening. And the problems are so big, it's like we can't keep up with them at this point. Like I think about, you mentioned housing, and mm. one of the projects that I worked on when I was working for the BC government was a research project with SFU on refugees and newcomers, right. right, and youth in Burnaby specifically. And one of the greatest issues is housing for that community because they get put on a social housing list, right? And they, while they're on that list, they could have a family of five or six or seven living in a single bedroom apartment. But until a house with a bedroom for each child of a certain age and gender becomes available, They will not get housing. Oh, my God. So instead of giving them, like, taking them from that one bedroom and putting them into, like, a three-bedroom or something, they leave them them in there. Oh, my God. And sometimes for so long that the kids, like, Mm -hmm. are living on top of each other. And, again, we think about mental health, right? Yes. Like, what is your quality of life if you're a family of five living in a single-bedroom home? Wow. Right? Like, and, and then I start to, we started to look at, like, what things can we do to kind of keep these kids out of trouble? That was their attitude, which to me was already problematic. It's like a white savior complex. Yeah. Kind of, right? The other thing that I found really interesting was that in partnering with SFU in this project, and I'll be honest, I don't know if they ever finished it because I left before they we wrapped it up. In mm-hmm. partnering with them, when I was doing my research, I discovered that the University of Victoria had already done a study on it. Wow. Like, the exact same topic. And so instead of taking action or using the information from that, it was a very recent study. It had been done like Mm -hmm. a year previous. Instead of using that, the government and Mm -hmm. SFU decided to just do it again. 
Right. Like it made no sense to me. I was like, we already have the data. We already know what could help these kids, what could help these families. Just want to research it more. Wow. When when I was in startups, right? I did I did 12 high-tech startups, some of them like incredibly well funded. And what the method we used was a, was a method called agile development, right? You you plan and then you see how it affects on the ground and then you kind of have to adjust and then you yeah. do more plan. You know what I mean? Like you do it in little in little segments the where government can be so hesitant to take action. Yeah. Like if you look have have you heard much about the modular housing lately? Like, I heard about it, but I don't know much anymore? about it. No, I don't know so much about it. That was a big it. thing, right? When the the ND, like the BCNDP came into power, when I was still mm. working for them, we mm. built all this modular housing. Right, right, right. right. Okay. But has it solved anything? No. Yeah. Has it really helped? And why haven't they kept doing it? Right? So like you're talking about, they finally did something, mm -hmm. but I'm sure they have data on it. What are they doing mm. with that? Are they taking more action? I don't see it. Like in my neighborhood, I see more and more people becoming homeless. Oh, hell yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I know it's scary. So just for definitions of terms, it's what you, th this like going back to left and right. In your opinion, okay, just like for the audience listening, what typically when you say this person's right, what words conjure up when you hear that, when you hear that term, their right ring? I'll be really honest with you. Yeah, be honest. As, as someone from the left, fascism mm -hmm. comes to mind. Like, okay. That's something so then that what does fascism mean? Let's go to that terminal. Because I hear that a lot. Oh, he's yeah. a fascist. You're a fascist, a fascist. And, and and my understanding of fascism is when corporations and government come this big block and they decide things for you. Mm -hmm. Is that? I mean, so like this is kind of the extreme end, right? Of like okay. authoritarian, totalitarian, okay. fascist. Mm -hmm. But yeah. to me, that's restricting like your rights and freedoms mm -hmm. is a big part of it. And prioritizing one group over another, right? So those are kind of the concepts that I would think about. Personally, I don't think mm. everyone who identifies as right-wing is a fascist. That is absolutely okay. not true. Right. But I think the problem is that people mm. on the left see it that way. Right. Right? Just like everyone on the right, not mm. everyone, but a lot of people think people on the left are communists. Right. Okay. Right? So let's, like, if you're looking at the extremes, that's kind of sure. where, what we have. But... At the end of the day, people who are on the right are mm -hmm. more conservative mm -hmm. than fascist, right? Yes, yes. But in conservatism, there are elements that are problematic. Yes. Because a conservative wants to like preserve the way things are, let's right. say, right? Like they believe in traditional values, maybe mm -hmm. family values, things right. like that. And, you know, they don't want to be taxed too much. They want, like, to be able to have free enterprise and capitalism and all those things. Mm -hmm. But I think this is the problem, right, is that people on the left, like, vilify that attitude. And the thing that I find most interesting was that mm -hmm. when I was on, like, in the NDP, like, very in the left, a mm -hmm. lot of those people are young families. They have family values. Some of sure. them are Christian or... Yeah you know, religious in some way. And I think that's right. really the problem is that we look at the right, like this mm. extremist, fascist, totalitarian, but yeah. really like it's this idea of like family values of mm -hmm. like preserving kind of um, like societal morality. You can get into the nitty gritty of it, but I think mm -hmm. the real problem and kind of what we're talking about today is having these preconceived notions about these terms and thinking yeah. they mean something that they really don't. 
But I also think that when you identify with one of those things, like I, like I've said, I, I identify with being on the left, but do I identify with all of the extremists on the left? No. no. Yeah. Do all the people who identify as right wing identify mm -hmm. with those extreme views? Probably mm -hmm. not. You know, I think we we kind of touched on this, but one of the main issues to me when it comes to conservatives in Canada is my right to choose as a woman. Right. Right. Like a right to do what I want with my body. Yeah. And the other term that I'd like to bring into the conversation is cognitive dissonance. Yes. yes. Right. This yeah. is a major issue in our society, in the world, where people oh, say they want one thing, but then they do all of this mental gymnastics that convinces them that what they're doing is working towards the thing that they want, when in fact those things that they are doing or thinking or believing are in complete contravention of what they say they want. When people are emotional, right, and, we, and I've done this, so oh God, I've been guilty of this, you're emotional. And and sometimes when you, you get into that very reactionary state, you start throwing out terms and yelling and this and yeah. that. Do you really know what you're saying? Even myself, yeah. right? You know what I mean? Because you're in that emotional state, right? I, I you know, we this could maybe be another show, but we could talk about are there forces that are pushing people into these types of emotional state, these what they call these divide and conquer type of tactics, right? You know, the darker aspects of the politics. Think of it like an mm. institution. Right. Yes. Like when we talk about institutional issues or systemic issues, really what we're talking about is these institutions of thought. Right. These mm -hmm. institutions of thought are kind of like self-feeding. Mm -hmm. Right. So like if you think of the NDP or the Conservative Party in Canada, who started them? Right. Are right. Yeah, that's, good. People, that's a good point. Are any of those people still there? Yeah. But we yeah. are still repeating things that mm -hmm. we have heard and have been saying just because right. that's what we say. Right, right. Right? Like that's yeah. what I think about a lot too. Like the world has changed. Yeah, for a sure. Lot. And even well, like I, I talked to you about briefly before we started, even like on the left, they're using mm -hmm. these really outdated, like shameful sales tactics in politics right. where they're trying to make people feel bad and yes. I, I see that from every party and the thing that yes. i think that we really need to deconstruct is partisan politics like yes. to me it almost looks like a children's sports day except yes. a yeah. more violent yeah. and rude you know yeah I, totally. I don't really understand why we have to identify with a political party like it just seems well, silly. Well, it's like team fun. sports, right? And you know what's kind of funny? And I always think of this, right? Like when you watch like World Cup soccer, for example, right? doesn't matter if it's Brazil or France or whatever. And whoever teams wins, a week later, you see those shirts everywhere. Everyone's putting on that shirt because they want to feel like they're part of the winning team. Like I remember when yeah. Brazil was winning all the World Cup soccer. Then every time I'd go out, oh, my God, there's like a sea of Brazil shirts, right? So I think it's like a way people want to identify with the winner, right? And uh, it made me think of something. And I was telling this to my partner because my partner's from Ontario. So he doesn't really understand how crazy BC politics are. BC politics in itself, it, it, it could be a show, right? Yeah. And they're in the Liberal Party. And I was telling her, well, they're not liberal because she thought they were affiliated with the, yeah. the federal liberal party. There are. And she's like, well, yeah. why do they call themselves the liberal? I go, well, they used to be the social credit. And then they had all these scandals, a guy named Bill Vanderzam. That's a whole nother story. And then they rebranded as liberal. And then people 
especially if they English second language or just maybe moved here from another place. So they think, oh, they think they're voting for the other liberals, yes. right? So again, the definition of the terminology, right? I think I heard, I don't know, maybe you can tell me, I heard they're going to rebrand brand themselves as the United Party or something. Well, they've already done that. Oh, they have. Okay. So they've already rebranded themselves as BC United. This, okay. I think this happened about a year ago. Okay. Um, in a way, I feel like that's a good thing, but only because now people can understand that the provincial party is not the same as the yeah. And if you think of it this way, the BCNDP even plays off of the popularity that like Jack Layden had federally. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So like yeah. the one thing I have to explain to people constantly when it comes to like government or political issues is that provincial parties and provincial governments are completely separate from federal. The BC NDP and the federal NDP, or the BC Green Party and the federal Green Party, they might share a membership list, which is a whole mm -hmm. other problem. They share a membership list, right. but they don't necessarily share all of the same policies. No, right. Of they course. share staff. Yes. A lot of the same people are, you know, influencing or running Mm -hmm. provincial and federal parties and when it comes to campaigns as well they will take provincial staff and ship them all across Canada every okay. party does this right oh wow so oh, a lot of the like people in power or people with influence are the same in the parties mm -hmm. but then you also have this layer of the party mm -hmm. like the BC NDP is a good example because we're here mm -hmm. the BC NDP and the BC government who is the NDP are right. not the same thing either. The people who are in government are not necessarily beholden to the demands of their party. Wow. Right? We can pass policy decisions at the party level. Mm -hmm. And we, we've seen this with environmentalism in BC, right? Right, the yes. The BCNDP as a party is much more pro-environmental than right. the BC government is, even though it's the same people. Oh, wow. Right. So, yeah, that makes sense. They become totally. more centrist. Because but isn't that confusing for the average Joe out there, though? Like, you know what I mean? Because yeah. it's like, oh, the Liberal Party. Oh, you know, I let you know if they like say they like Justin Trudeau. Right. And yeah. then they think they're vo voting for the voting same for team. So one big term I want to talk to you about. So I remember I think it was about 2006. There was a guy named Ron Paul who was Republican and he was seen as a libertarian. And and he had a lot of support, especially from because my background is IT and, and and the IT space loved him. They absolutely loved him. He was a, you know, he's kind of a funny guy, but, you know, and interesting. And that was a very popular thing, the libertarian and then even the United States has a libertarian party. They never really do anything. But yeah. that was a popular thing that was thrown out. Right. It doesn't really kind of diminish since then. But like for the audience, how would you describe a libertarian, someone that identifies himself as a libertarian? So a main proportion of, or component of libertarianism is around personal freedom, right? Right, Like that's kind of like the, the overarching big idea of libertarianism mm -hmm. is like mm -hmm. limited government intervention, right. and like economics and social things. Mm -hmm. um, like they believe in like free market capitalism and things like that. But the interesting thing is when you say libertarian to me, mm -hmm. I think of the Green Party. Right. Okay. So that's another conception is that the Green Party is on the left. Right. But a lot okay. of us who again identify with the left don't see the Greens as on the left. See, and I that's never thought they're I, not a viable option for those of us who want to vote progressively. 
Right. And you can even see this like with their whole scandal of um, leadership that happened federally. You can look into that more. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of racism in the Green Party. Well, you just taught me something. Uh, I I've always saw them as a lefty party. Wow, they I didn't. Not. I didn't. Yeah, I didn't see them as libertarian. Well, that's interesting. They're progressive yeah. environmentally, but they the big criticism that we hear, especially in BC, and you know, I've worked in um, campaigns provincially and federally, and it's the same thing. A big thing we hear is that they don't have the backs of working people. Right. Like they're lacking on social policy. And I know, especially in BC with Sonia first, so now, like mm. a lot of people like Sonia, like we don't see them as a beacon of feminism, let's say either. Right. Oh, interesting. Right? So I think it's like those of us on the left, especially a lot of us who have left the NDP, which mm-hmm. there's tons of us who have left the federal and the provincial NDP. Interesting. We, we will not go to the Greens because we don't feel welcome there. They can change some of their language, but it's that, mm-hmm. like, until your actions mm-hmm. meet what you're saying, like, I'm not right. going to Well, there you go again, right? Uh, like, for the average person, right? They see green. Green has been very marketed, you know, from a marketing background. It's oh, green is good. Green is about the environment. Green is, like, everything we want. The earth and hippie and everyone lives in a kumbaya life, Right. And a lot of people, and this is what I've noticed, this for any topic, any topic, most people will just take a, a surface layer of understanding about these topics. And like you said, they, there's a, you know, like that analogy of the iceberg, right? 10% mm-hmm. floating above and then 90% under the surface, right? Mm-hmm. So that's interesting. I, now I want to do some more research into the Green Party now. And and I think, again, like this, this is coming a little bit from like real things, but it's mm-hmm. also a perception. And I think when you're in a political party, if you're thinking about how to brand yourself, right? right. Yeah. I think a lot about who are their intended, who is their intended audience. And I think political parties and governments sometimes, maybe not so much government, but political parties make the mistake of thinking they're speaking to everyone when in fact they are not. Like they, they're right. only speaking to people who are going to be their engaged audience. But I always think, yeah. like, who who is a, an engaged green audience? Like, who are the people they're attracting? If it's predominantly, like, old white people mm-hmm. and a lot of your young environmentalists who s- tried to go there ended mm-hmm. up having to leave because they weren't respected. Like, again, wow. look at the leadership issue in the federal Green Party. Yeah. They've got so much infighting and problems of their own. It's do they have democratic processes even in their their own party? And that's really a question for every party, because I personally have a lot of issues with the federal and provincial NDP on that front as well. Democracy is in their name. Yes, Democratic Democratic Party. Party. 